What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Curio House podcast. My name is Craig Curiocus. This is Mercedes. Merle. <laughs> and we are joined with Rob from Gateway Mortgage. Robert, how are you? Fantastic, Craig. Thanks Robert. for having me. I, I just messed with Mercedes because she was going to correct me, but then I said Robert. Yes. Robert Riggs is his full name, and he's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Mercedes. <laughs> Love it. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you carving some time out to come sit down with us and run through some things. It's been, uh, it's been interesting times uh, recently. We've been having a blast in the real estate industry for the last <laughs> few months, haven't we, Craig? It's been a joy. It's been a joy. Um, so I'm sure you're aware that there's uh, a rumor mill and there's some gossip going around that... Uh, the, the economy is collapsing and housing is falling <laughs> apart and there will no longer be houses uh, to buy or sell. It's just all going away. That's right. Completely gone. Yes. None of us will have homes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Taking away the houses. Uh, but in all honesty, there's, uh, there's a lot going on right now with, with interest rates and the economy as a whole. And so we wanted to carve out some time to chat with you guys and just kind of help put all of this in perspective and, and help you guys wrap your heads around it and um, just explain what's actually happening. Yeah. So before we get into that, um, Rob, you want to tell everyone a little, a, bit, uh, a little bit about yourself? I'll tell everyone a bit, a bit about myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Robert Riggs, I, I grew up in Edmond, Oklahoma, born and raised, um, you know, decided to go really far outside of my comfort zone and went all the way up to Stillwater, Oklahoma for college. Go Ooh, Pokes. Uh, maybe lingered in Stillwater for just a little bit too long after uh, after graduating with the psychology degree of all things. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. I know. I had no idea. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's fair. You know, we had many paths through college. Yeah. Not all eighteen-year-olds yeah. know exactly what they're meant for in Absolutely their life, but not. at that age. <laughs> but yeah, graduated uh, and then started playing drums in a band with a couple of good friends of mine while I worked in a restaurant. And then... Is this where you had the long hair? Yeah, this terrible. is where... This is one of the periods where I, I had hair down to here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been about three or four phases of life for me. Insert picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll have a picture for you guys. But then, yeah, you know, when you're 24, 25 in Stillwater, you're pretty ancient. So two of us decided to move back to Oklahoma City. Um, started doing some food and beverage managing at Gallardia Country Club. Just kind of fell into that, uh, which led me somehow into the mortgage industry interesting yeah that's um that's an unusual transition from the food and <laughs> beverage industry to lending yeah well you know the country club was great i loved it and all the connections there um i knew it wasn't probably the end goal dream job for me but i uh, made some great connections there and wanted to use those to to get to the next thing which happened to be lending very nice yeah. awesome awesome well you're kicking butt taking names doing all the things trying to and <laughs> you're doing a great job. And um, I'm going to refer to my notes here so Mercedes doesn't get on to me. <laughs> um, so you spent the last two years as a loan officer or yep. a loan originator. Yeah. Okay. More and than two years, though, right? How has it been more than two years? Yeah, it's about two years um, originating for my own team. Uh, but okay. I've been in the industry about six, six and a half years. Okay. So yeah. a lot of experience. You've yeah. seen a little bit of the cycle. Absolutely. And, okay. And so speaking of cycles... Um, 2020, 2021 was just an unprecedented time in real estate. Yeah. It was a dreamland where you got to be order takers for two years. Yeah. And money just printed and, you know, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, absolutely. Literally they were printing money. <laughs> they were printing a lot true, of money. True. <laughs> so I, I actually just learned this and it blew my mind. So in 2020, a fifth of the money that has ever existed 
was printed. Yep. Mind blowing, isn't it? You almost I don't know can't why they didn't think that that, that was no, problematic no. at the time. Yeah, right? You know, everything has its consequences on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome to your consequences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get into. <laughs> so, uh, what are you seeing in from the mortgage side of things? Um, that's different from maybe it was in 2020 and 2021. I mean, they're obviously drastically different markets, but why? Like, what exactly is happening right now? Yeah, you know, so kind of at the end of 2019, we were already at historically low interest rates. Okay. Uh, my wife and I bought a home in 2019, uh, around November, I think, which was kind of just a lucky time to buy, it turns out. Yeah. Um, but I think even then, we were in the low 3% uh, okay. on a 30-year mortgage. Uh, and that then was in 2019. That was in November of 2019 that we bought. Okay. From there, uh, you know, rates were historically low as we entered into 2020. And then I think we all kind of know what ended up popping up around March of 2020. Right. Um, and a global pandemic kind of got <laughs> delivered to the world here. Um, and then from there, rates kind of just kept trending lower and lower. Um, so, you know, in, in 2020, we were seeing some rates in the twos, uh, at the very wow, least the low threes, which was, it was crazy. What a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the twos, which is really is mind boggling to think yeah. about 2% yeah. is basically free money. Yeah. That's what you're financing a car. Yeah. That's I think. wild. <laughs> it's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, rates have ticked up. We're in a higher interest rate environment right now, Yep. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should like stop buying or, or stop trying to buy exactly. if you're trying to buy a house or you know if you're on the other side of the transaction and you're trying to sell, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad time to sell. Yeah. And so one of the things that we want to do is kind of dig into that a little bit today and kind of explain how you can end up on the, on the better side of things <laughs> on both sides of that transaction. Absolutely. So, um, man, uh, if you are trying to buy right now, What's what's something that you can do or like where does one start to kind of position yourself to be in a good spot buying? I think the first place to start is you find a great real estate agent and a great real estate team like the Curio House team. (laughs) (laughs) But from there, right? (laughs) 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 Find a good personality fit. Find people that you think are really going to be great advocates for you and your family through the process. Okay. From there, trust them. There we go. Put some trust in them, right? They do have your best interest at heart. They aren't in this to serve themselves. They are in it to serve your family. And listen to a little bit of their guidance. Do a little bit of your own searching. But after you find that trusted real estate agent and before you go shopping for a house, before you go shopping for a house, meet with a lender. I think that's very smart. Really step one in the process, I would have said, is get pre-qualified. But no, find that trusted real estate advisor first. Uh, And then from there, right after you've done that, meet with a lender and start thinking about what's a comfortable budget for your family. Um, kind of start thinking through the numbers yourself, do a little bit of budgeting, maybe get an app if you don't have one, if you haven't looked at any budgeting, but start thinking about, you know, what a comfortable monthly payment is for you and your family and then meet with a lender. And I think it's important to not only apply, we want everyone to apply right? We don't mm-hmm. want people sitting on the sidelines. If you're interested in buying a house, at least have someone take a look at it. Yeah. And then from there, find some time, make some time to go sit down with a lender Walk through the numbers, ask about different loan types, make sure they're showing you different loan options that you may qualify for. And then from there, you get back with that trusted real estate advisor and you go out shopping for houses. Yes. And that's really how it should be going, right? You should be 
getting your loan squared away, yeah. finding out how much you can get qualified for, what's comfortable right. in terms of monthly payment and down payment, cash to close. And then you start looking at houses that fit inside that box. Exactly. But people are a little more likely to start in reverse. They want to get on Zillow or whatever and start searching for a house. And yeah, it's fun. It is. Yeah, <laughs> you, you go look at houses and then you find one that you fall in love with. Right. And you're like, ooh, how do I how do I buy this? Right, right. And you know, it can be hard. Uh, everyone wants to shop for those luxury houses, right? It's fun mm -hmm. to click around on Zillow. But before you really go start looking at houses and seeing them in person, it's so important to know what your budget is, the price range you should be shopping in. Because uh, the truth of the matter, I think, Craig, is that, you know, if you go out there and you look at that $400,000 house, but really right now you should be closer to that $300,000, $325,000 house. It's hard to forget about some of those features of the, the $400,000 house. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like, have you ever seen that little thing that uh, is getting installed in newer homes in, right next to the sink? For your glasses, like your wine glasses. Oh, you like just, the beer clean system yes, almost. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. You have one of those Mercedes? No, I don't. <laughs> my 1953 home does not have one of those either, <laughs> believe it or not. You know, mine doesn't either. But I think it's like a cool. set with a sink. It's like oh, a brand new it? sink. Yeah. Okay. That's well, super there. cool. Have you seen it? has that and then it also has like the special water that comes out the side of the... Anyways, I can't even describe it. I have to show it to you later. It's okay. really cool. But the point is, I would be really upset if I saw that in a house yeah. and I wanted it and I couldn't get it. No. Um, I, I think it's absolutely, uh, to your point, one of the first places I would start is is by building my team out, right? Like buying right. a house right. or selling a house is a big deal. Yeah. And you want to make sure that your ducks are in a row. You've got the right team behind you right. that can help you get this train moving. And like... Again, to your point, someone that you can trust, right? Yeah. Like you want to be able to lean on them and not kind of have that thing in the back of my head, like, are they trying to get one over on me? Like, right. yeah. you should feel confident that the people that have your back are working in your best interest. And I think all of us are aligned in, in that philosophy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially if you're a first time home buyer. Yes. There's a lot that goes on through the home buying process. It can seem daunting, but you know, really it can be boiled down pretty quickly as long as you find those people that you trust. And I'd also say, you know, if you're the, the family that hasn't bought a house in 20 years, kind of like we discussed a little mm -hmm. earlier, Mercedes, yeah. find those people that can really advocate for you and make sure you take the time to review everything with them. Okay, cool. So once we've got our team, we've got our budget established, we know how much we can spend, we're going to go out and we're going to start looking for homes. And so now when we find a home, um, let's just say we find a $400,000 house. Okay. What are some things tactically that we can do as a buyer to put ourselves in a better position to buy that home in a higher interest rate environment? Right. And like we talked about, the first thing is know your numbers. Okay. That's what this all defaults back to, right? Okay. Even though we are in a little bit of a higher interest rate environment than maybe 2020, that doesn't mean it's a bad time to buy a home. If that monthly payment meets your budget, then let's go ahead and take a look at it. And then from there, that's where your team, your loan officer, uh, your realtors can help come up with some of those strategies to help you make a competitive offer that can lead to some positive things for you. Uh, you know, I think you can speak to this a little bit better, Craig, but what was the market like at the beginning of this year? What was it like if you were oh looking to buy that $400,000 house um, in early 2022? You were gonna spend more than $400,000. <laughs> Easily, yeah. yeah. I actually, so what just came to mind when you said that was a video that I made in February. Okay. 
and I the opening like hook in the video is like it's February and the real estate market's still rocking because <laughs> generally it's there's a pretty substantial slowdown yeah. in the winter months. Right. December, January, February are all slower in terms of traffic. Um, December, ironically, is actually one of the highest um, months for closings. Yeah, that's because everyone wants in before the you end want of the in year. Before the holidays. But um, honestly, to to answer that question, I think if you were buying in the beginning of this year on that same house, four hundred thousand, um, it would look a lot different than it would today. So if if four hundred thousand was your list price, um, it, it it's probably and if this was, you know, sort of a hot home, right? right. Like it had a lot of interest. <clears throat> Maybe it was on the market for a day or two days by the time you got there to see it with your buyer, right. which is wild. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is another funny thing. With buyers, we knew because of the statistics in the MLS that on average, we were going to show a buyer two houses yep. and they would buy one of those houses wow. or they would write an offer on one of those houses. Um, but that's, just because, I mean, the first house that you got into that fit your budget yeah. or you, you know, whatever, you were writing an offer because there was no other way to get a house. Right, right. But one of the downsides of that was you were probably bidding or offering over the list price. Right. And so on a $400,000 house, you might have been offering, what would you say, four twenty? Sure, yeah. Okay, so 420000 Oops, I got the eraser going. Well, yeah, and you know you're competing with so many other offers at that time. Absolutely. Well, and you've got to keep that in mind. Right. And it's it's, it's wild. Um, but, you know, when you're writing an offer as a buyer, you're blind. Right. You don't know what other people are writing offers or how much they might be writing an offer for. Right. Which puts you at a big disadvantage strategically, right? And so... In that environment where everyone wants the house and you're trying to get it, you're yep. going to throw as much at it as you can. Yeah, give it your best. So, and, and that's what everyone said. Bring your highest and best. Yep. Bring your highest and best offer. Well, let's just say ours is 420000 <clears throat> So the difference in that right off the bat is twenty k that we're going to pay for the house. We're going to pay four twenty for this house. Um, and that doesn't include, we still have inspections. Right. We still have appraisal. Uh, we still have closing costs to consider. But one of the things is with appraisal. Right. Because if we were selling someone that $400,000 house and they were paying four twenty, yeah. well, last I checked, the bank wouldn't lend for more than the house is worth, right? Yeah, we can only lend based off that appraised value. Okay. So if the house appraises... For four hundred, the difference is that twenty thousand. Right. And so, where does the where does the twenty thousand come from? Well, you know, there are a couple options there. The first one that I think you're probably going to work through is people like yourself are going to mm -hmm. maybe hit the negotiation table with uh, with the other realtor. Am I right in that? Yes, absolutely. So, as as a buyer's agent, we would we would probably ask the seller to cover half. Okay. You know, we would split that twenty thousand down the middle. The buyer comes up with an extra 10, the seller drops the price 10 or credits the buyer 10, and we just we meet in the middle. But that's still 10,000, even if you split it. If you split it, and, and how often were you truly seeing splits in the beginning of this year? See, that was the thing. Yeah. You weren't. Right. Because the sellers had all the power. 
Is they the seller's have, like, market? They have 15 other offers. They can just go find somebody else where they don't have to pay it. Right. Exactly. So if you didn't pay this 20 grand, they were just going to put the house back on the market. Right. And someone else would. Yep. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> so not fair. Not fair at all. <laughs> and so just in, in like stark contrast to earlier this year, like let's say now, if you were buying that same $400,000 house, Mercedes, if you were selling someone a $400,000 house and, you know, just spitballing, obviously there's a lot more that goes into structuring an offer, but spitballing, like where would you land on that? You know, would, would you come in at 420? Absolutely not. No, I think the seller would be ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, they would love that. <laughs> Except. Yeah. I mean, if it's been on the market, you know, going on maybe two weeks, and but it's still in decent shape and everything, you'd either offer right out what they're asking or maybe just under, but. Yeah, but you're not going to come in a bunch of money no, over the ask price. Not. No. Yeah, and not so necessary. that in and of itself puts you in a better position because now you're only paying four hundred thousand. But then you know that the house right now we don't have a big issue with uh, appraisals coming in under. Yeah. Um, so you're probably just going to be paying that four hundred thousand. Then you pay your inspections, your appraisal, your closing costs, but. You're saving right off the bat. Let's just say ten to twenty thousand. Yeah, and ten to twenty thousand in straight cash that a lot of buyers just you know don't have an extra ten to twenty thousand dollars lying around. Yeah, I mean it was coming from somewhere. Right. I mean they're pulling it out of stocks or retirement or yeah. you know wherever it's coming from out of proceeds from their sale. Right. But that money is not free. It's not right. coming from nowhere. And it's substantial. Yes. <laughs> so. What I have seen recently is with higher interest rates, a lot of buyers, when they're shopping, are saying, oh, that's, that's too high. They're asking too much. Um, they're they're kind of saying, well, you know, since interest rates are higher, can we come in at this price or, right. you know, whatever. Right. And these prices are substantially less than the list price. Right. And <clears throat> you might think on the surface that getting the seller to reduce their list price, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 would be a great way to save some money. Right. But I think you've probably got some programs where you could use that savings that you might get from the seller and it could have more of an impact on your bottom line. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think an important thing to keep in mind in, in making these offers and structuring deals like that, Craig, mm -hmm. is, you know, if you're asking a seller on a $400,000 purchase price to reduce the price what, let's call it $20,000. Yeah. Maybe you're going to offer 380 or they bring it down to 380. Well, let's look at how much that's going to save you each month from 400 reducing it to 380. I mean, under 200 bucks. Yeah, on the grand <laughs> scheme it's really not it's it's impactful, sure. but it's not always the best solution, right? So we can look at some other things there as well. Um, you know, what's been common for a long time in the industry are discount points. So that's essentially someone you know, maybe using a little bit more money or the seller can pay for a little bit as well through some concessions uh, to help bring down that rate a little bit. You know, the established rate is X. Well, let's pay a little bit more money in discount points to get it down, you know, three-fourths of a point, half a point, somewhere okay. in there. Okay. And so that leads to some savings for sure through interest rate. But we're also seeing a little bit more of, of what's called a temporary buy-down. And there are a couple okay. ways to do that. And Essentially what it is, is some prepaid interest to effectively help reduce your interest rate for the first couple of years of your loan. 
Okay. <clears throat> so now you're talking about like the three, two, one buy down or a exactly. two, one buy down? Three, two, one, two, one buy down, these temporary buy downs. And so I think, you know, you as a realtor would be able to, um, especially if you're on the listing side of things, right? Well, maybe instead of reducing the price $20,000, we look to keep the price where it is and look at a temporary buy down scenario where we can effectively reduce someone's interest rate by, in, in the case of a three, two, one buy down, it would save them 3% in that first year. Wow. So if we're in the sevens, awesome. that first year, you're really paying in the fours. Okay. So that's a huge difference. Huge. You're talking about cutting your interest rate three points for yes, the first sir. year. Three percentage points. That's amazing. Right. So um, let's just say, you know, you've got a rate now in the sevens. We're just going to put plural. Sevens. Yeah, exactly. Because it changes every day. It does. So Can. if, if you get approved for that, let's, you know, in the sevens and you use the three, two, one buy down, right. Your first year payment, I'm, I'm doing sloppy handwriting today. Your first year, that interest rate would only be 4%. It would be reduced 3%. So now you're in the fours. <laughs> so now you're in the fours. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, it's still discounted. Right. And you go to... So from there, it would be in the fives. So you'd be in the two. Exactly. Year two, okay. you're 2% lower than that market rate. Oh, I'm messing with stuff. That's <laughs> on white, though. Oh, oh what? <laughs> it's messing with me. Okay. There we go. So, so then we go to 5%. Yep. Or in the fives. Yeah. And then the third year, it goes to the sixes. Exactly. Okay. And so that's where the three, two, one comes from, right? So three, two, one. Right. Well, okay. so really the first year, we're 3% lower. So opposites, but hey, that's okay. okay. Second year, 2% <laughs> lower. Third year, 1% lower. Yes. Right. Makes sense. So there's also the two, one buy down. Right. Which is similar, but instead of breaking it down for three years or discounting your rate for three years, you're only doing two, right? Nailed it. Okay. Awesome. So how does that work? Like what, what's the mechanics of a three, two, one or a two, one buy down? Like how, is it a different type of loan? No. So we would do it just through a regular conventional loan and essentially it's a fixed rate conventional loan. Okay. But there's an added aspect of it, of the prepaid interest. Okay. Yep. Okay. So does, and that happens like on the front end? It happens on the front end, basically, right? Okay. Um, so in the instance, you know, it's a $400,000 purchase price. Instead of reducing the price, maybe the seller is willing to contribute to a three, two, one buy down. Okay. So say it's a case like we're talking about $400,000 purchase price. You're going to put 5% down. So the loan amounts at $380,000. Okay. In that first year, through interest savings, if it's 3% lower than where it's really locked at, we'll say, we're seeing people save, you know, in this scenario, it's around $730 a month, I think, through that first year. A month? A month. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so. What would you do with $730 a month? Yeah, right. So you save $730 a month for your first year. Right. In this specific scenario. In, yeah, in this exactly. scenario. Exactly. We're, talking exactly. About a, we're talking about a $400,000 house. <laughs> right. But, um. That's that's not a small amount. That's close to $9,000 in that first year. Wow. Okay. So 9k that first year. 
And then the second, do you know roughly what uh, the savings would be monthly on the second? Yeah, I think the, the second, second year it's in the $500 ballpark. I think just over $500 in this situation. 500 a month. And then what about the third? The third's uh, around 256. And remember, we started thinking about just reducing the purchase price by $20,000. Yeah. And we're thinking maybe we save, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah, 200 or so. Which is great. Well, in this scenario, even in year three of this, we're saving $250 a month. Well, and in years one and two, you're saving more than double that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Right. Okay, so really, like when you stop and think about that, how is that not a no-brainer? So it doesn't make sense if I'm a buyer and using this $400,000 house as an example, if we go into this house and say, we want it, right. but it's too expensive. You know, I can't afford that payment. Right. Instead of asking them to come down 20 grand, if we ask them to credit our closing costs, we can do something like this 2-1 or 3-2-1 buy down yeah. and save a heck of a lot more money. Absolutely. And in addition to that, you're not paying this over list price, out of pocket, right. appraisal gap, everything else, giving your firstborn away, like you're not having to do any of that. Yeah, in the other scenario, you're essentially paying out of pocket more than you would probably need to bring to closing in total with 5% down. Right. It's crazy. So when you hear people say, like, ah, it's not a good time to buy a house, like, what happens in your head? Are, are you just like, Let's have a sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a sit down. Exactly, exactly. Come in. Yeah, let's sit down and work this Exactly. And you know, so that is the first thing that goes through my head. Um, but I, the first thing really is that I understand it, right? When you're around the water cooler at work and people are talking about how they refinanced their half a million dollar home in 2020 to 3% maybe, and you're staring down something that's quite a bit higher than that, it can feel unsettling, right? But two things matter. Well, it's a comfortable monthly payment with your budget and how much do you have saved up to bring to closing? Okay. If it's still going to put you in a comfortable range monthly and you can buy the house that you want, when's the best time to buy a house, Craig? Mercedes, when is the best time to buy a house? Right now. Right now. Right now. Always the best time. Yeah, well, it's going to happen with home values over the next few years. They're just going to continue to rise. Right. They're, they're certainly not going down. I think there there's... The, the, there's a narrative somewhere out there that says like all these prices are crashing. But when, when you look at what's really happening right now, like we talked about earlier, 2020 and 2021 were wild. Right. And we all knew then that at some point the market would have to correct itself right. and come back to reality. Yeah. And that's all that this is, is the market starting to shift back to a normal market. Well, that's exactly right. So much of our time in 2022 has been spent in a seller's market, like you alluded to earlier. Now we're seeing some balance come back to the market. Yes, I've seen some seller concessions coming in. Sellers are, you know, getting more and more used to the idea of maybe helping out just a little bit, whether it's with closing costs or any of these other things that we've talked about. So really now, you know, if you're someone who kind of felt like you had to be on the sidelines because you, you know, maybe were very well qualified, the loan would have been really easy, but when you're up against all cash offers, you're up against people that have the capacity to put 50% down and you're a first time home buyer, so many people made enough offers that they felt like they were just kind of frozen out of the market. Yeah. And that was- Going back to renting those people. Right. 
renewed their leases, moved in with mom or you know whatever. A lot of and people. Yeah, there's a huge movement of people yeah. that over the pandemic yeah. moved back home because yep. things just got so expensive. And rent is through the roof right now. It so certainly hasn't gotten cheaper. <laughs> it's always going to be going up. Yeah. Right. And, right. and that's the thing. I know it's it's a little cliche to say, but when you think about rent versus buying, right. they always say, you know, even if you're paying a higher interest rate to buy your house, interest on renting is 100%. Well, yeah, and you're gaining equity by making payments on an appreciating asset. That's a really good point. The balance that you owe on the home is working its way down. Is the value of your home slowly working its way up? So it, it is just, it's a win-win. Right. And and you can't start that snowball of equity, right. you know, development without buying your home and, and exactly beginning that process. And, yeah, and one of the great, great things about the balance that's kind of coming back, back to the market is just we do have that opportunity where we're starting to see seller concessions. We're starting to see many more VA loans be accepted, FHA loans be accepted. So some of these kind of, you know, other loan products that weren't just conventional loans be accepted and we're seeing people go in and getting their first offer accepted right now sometimes. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say for those people that did have to step away from the home buying process through last year because their offers were being beat. Yeah. Now is the best time for them because like you said, they're FHA and VA loans and we can ask for all these concessions. They can do a future one buy down. Like there's so many right. more options for them now. Well, and it's at least worth taking a look, right? We've yeah, heard so many people yeah, talk about, well, I'm going to wait it out and I'm just going to renew my lease, like you said, Craig, until rates come down or until inventory's up or until whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. I think the people that kind of wait for conditions to be right or for circumstances to be right find themselves waiting a very long time. And it's the, it's the same thing whether you're buying a house, you're selling a house, you're making an investment, you're changing careers, getting married, having a kid, whatever it is, when you wait, I mean, you just end up waiting, really. Like, yeah. you're never going to find the right time. Things okay. aren't always going to be perfect. Worst case, you go talk to Robert and let him look at your finances, and he's like, okay, yeah, you're right. You probably should wait six months, and you should build up your savings. But then maybe, at least you know... Well, and then we've been planning for six months yeah, rather than you six wait months. six months exactly. and well, then learn the plan. And, and it is actually planning right? right? because if you sit down with someone and you, you kind of break down their scenario and you say, you know, we do have three to six months here that, you know, we're going to have before you buy your house. Yeah. Here's some actionable steps that I recommend you take to put yourself in a better position. Right. Do, do X, Y, Z to help boost those credit scores. Yeah. And it, it may take a couple months, months, but we, we can, can check, check in on you. Make sure you're doing it. I mean, you can call and check, check in on us. I had someone call the other day. Hey, you gave me this credit plan. I'm really trying to follow it. But what does this mean? So we had the conversation and the plan continues, right? And the other aspect is, you know, if you're waiting out all the market or waiting on the market to change enough for you to make offers again, how many other people are doing so as well? Yes. I mean, it's just going to do the opposite. It's just... Yes, the interest rates may come back down, but then next thing you know, there's people, everybody else is back in the market, and there's going to be a lot more offers in every house, right. be a lot more competition, and you're almost not, it's probably not going to be back to COVID times, but right. it puts yourself back in a more competitive scenario. Yeah, well, and you remember all those people through 2020, 2021 that were saying like, I'm going to wait until things slow down because yeah. this is crazy, or yeah. I don't want to get caught in a bidding war. 
And by the way, the houses are going to continue to appreciate. Exactly. You wait on sidelines for rates to drop. Well, the house gets more expensive. And then all of these other people who are waiting come off the sidelines as well. So we're back to that really competitive market. Um, so I think now's a great time to buy, or it's at least a great time to look. If you're interested or you've thought about buying, there's really no harm in having someone take a look and start game planning with you. Absolutely. And I think uh, you said something earlier that I believe is really important, and that's that you have a higher chance of getting your offer accepted with some of these alternate loan types. Yeah. <clears throat> one of them, <clears throat> excuse me, one of them is FHA. And FHA sometimes has a little bit of a bad rap because it has this connotation associated with it of being like a low quality loan. Right. Or, I, what are some of the things you hear about FHA? <clears throat> You know, I'm kind of in an insular world, and, and so I don't think bad things about FHA loans. Um, but it's just, it can be a little bit trickier in those really competitive times if you are seeing 20 offers on a house. You know, you, you may lean towards accepting an offer where someone can put 30% down. Well, one of the big advantages of an FHA loan, right, is that it's one of the lower down payment options. It only requires 3.5%. So a lot of the times we look to get into an FHA loan scenario is, you know, to kind of help um, people either keep a little bit more in their pocket or maybe those that don't have 30% to put down on a home. Um, so it opens up the pool of buyers. It allows more people the opportunity to buy. Absolutely. And FHA is actually a great loan product. Right. It, like you said, is meant for um, people who maybe don't have a ton of cash to throw into a down payment. So three and a half percent down is a very affordable down payment, I think. Absolutely. And there's um, a stipulation with it though, right? You can't raise a certain amount. Well, so, so on an FHA, get into the weeds of yeah, an FHA loan doesn't necessarily have, um, you know, income caps. Um, now, if you were looking at the like Section 184 loan, the Native American loan through, that's kind of through FHA, then some of those other programs could have some caps and things like that on it. But just a regular FHA loan, you won't see an income cap on. Okay. And as an aside, stay tuned for the Native American loans. We're going to have some cool stuff coming up. Um, so we've got FHA. That's a 3.5% yeah. down government-backed loan. Exactly. We've got conventional, which typically is 5 to 10% down. Yeah. And you know, I would say typically it's a minimum of 5%, but there are some great conventional first-time homebuyer products out there where you can put as little as 3% down on a conventional loan. Really? Okay. Did you hear that? First time home buyer? So you can go as low as three. As low as three. Interesting. Um, but, but there's a couple where there's no down payment required. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got VA loans yep. and you've got USDA loans. Yep. Both are 0% down. Now, please do not confuse that with cash to close because you still have closing costs. Exactly. exactly. You just don't have any down payment. Right? right. Now, what was happening in 2020 and 2021 was that because <clears throat> I got a, a frog in my throat, <laughs> because FHA, FHA loans require a certification and because VA loans require a certification, these were a little harder to get accepted. Uh, what you would find is that if you had a house that maybe, you know, it's a great home, but maybe it's got some peeling paint on the exterior or, um, you know, a lot of people in 2020, were selling houses with halfway renovated flooring, you know, things like that. 
Well, if you had pulled up the carpet in your office to put new hardwood floors down and then decided to sell, you can't sell that to someone on an FHA loan unless that flooring is somehow fixed prior to closing. So <clears throat> what you ended up finding was that sellers would default to a conventional loan or that the agents would recommend they use a conventional loan instead. So Rob, what you're saying is another advantage to shopping right now is these other government-backed programs are easier to get into homes with right now. Exactly. exactly. We're, We're seeing, seeing offers, offers get accepted, accepted on all loan types right now. So many people think that, you know, I've, I've even heard people recently that think that you still have to put 20% down on a conventional loan to buy a house. Not the case. Not the case. I heard someone talk about that the other day, too. I just was, I mean, to be honest, it's something that I learned, like, within the last couple of years, but, yeah. but yeah, only five, ten, or potentially three. That's so insane. I can't believe that. It is. It's wild. And the last one, really I, I feel like we should cover it. Yeah. Um, not everyone would qualify for USDA. Right? right. And not every home would qualify for USDA. Right. But in a nutshell, what is a USDA loan? Yeah, yeah, USDA loan is a rural development loan, right? Okay. And so part of the 0% the down is a little bit of an incentive to help people move out of the city centers okay. into some more rural communities. Are you laughing at how I'm saying that word? I'm just like, you're saying rural, and I'm not. I cannot. Rural. Rural. Merle. That's Merle. pretty close. Did I say rural? Yeah. Merle, Merle. Sure. Like rural, ruler? <laughs> no. It, when, uh, when I lived in Guthrie, we did a ton of USDA loans. Logan County is uh, a big region for those in Oklahoma, yes. for sure. Well, and it's great, and it's one of the reasons that some people make the move out of Oklahoma County yep. into Logan County yep. is just to get the 0% down USDA financing and lower property taxes and you know, some other things as well. Um, and with USDA, it's worth mentioning that you can actually finance a little more than the loan amount, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It can, can technically, technically go up to 102% financing. <laughs> so, anyway, worth mentioning, but... Um, well, Logan County's getting really popular. Logan County's going up. It is. I've seen, I've helped three or four families recently move to the Guthrie area. Really? Sort of, Ralph Coleman's going to do a home redevelopment out there. Nice. And it's going to be... Yeah. A lot of new opportunity. A lot of opportunity. Yeah. And then, you know, on the east side and on the west side, they've got new communities going in over there. Um, there's a lot. In fact, I was breaking down the numbers in Guthrie. They've got like 130-some homes for sale right now. Wow. Which is, yeah, it's wild. Well, a lot of them are new construction. And that's the yeah. thing. When you look at the MLS stats for the month of October, you see like some sharp decreases and increases depending on what you're looking at going on here so to kind of break it down some more and it's just because some of these builders just flooded the market with new listings and kind of made everything water. right but, um anyway i digress so now is a good time to buy that's what that's what i'm hearing it's, it's a, a great, great time, time to buy, buy. It's, it's always a great time, time to buy it's, it's kind of like the old adage well when's the best time to plant a tree well now well, well the best time would have been five years ago oh but the second best time but the second best time is today. <laughs> I got what you're saying. I'm usually the, the king, king of quotes. <laughs> Man, I have never heard that one. I love yeah. that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, it's a great time to buy. And again, to me, it just all comes back to if the monthly payment fits your budget and fits your needs, buy the house. Yeah. And, and that's really, that's it, right? Because it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. 
Right. It doesn't matter what anyone else is saying or what you hear on the news. If your family is ready to upgrade or downsize or right size or just own a home yeah. and it makes sense for you, then do it. That's exactly right. Or if you need to, or don't, don't freak, freak out. out. There's options. It's okay. And, you know, on the long-term time horizon, maybe it's six months. Maybe it's next spring. Maybe it's two years from now. But ultimately, the projections are that rates should fall. No crystal ball. Don't quote me on anything. But projections are that they should come down. And if they do come down, you're already in, you know, a comfortable range monthly. Then you have that opportunity to refinance at a lower rate and save even more. Yeah, it's going to be lower. Right. Okay, strategies to help you win in a higher interest rate environment. Rob, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been a bunch of gold. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Craig. Craig. Yeah, Robert. Uh, Merle's looking at me. I can Does feel anybody call you Rob other than him? A, a lot, lot of people call me Rob. Okay. All my family calls me Rob. Okay. All my wife's family calls me Rob. It's okay, I promise. <laughs> Being a Robert, you know, you get called all kinds of things. Yeah. Robbie? Exactly. Ooh. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't I got the eyes. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Robert or Robert, the two preferred. But uh, I've, been, I've even had a Bobby thrown at me before. Bobby. Yeah. Who was ballsy enough to go, hey, Bobby? One, One of my co managers at the country. Oh, well, never mind. We were good buddies. It was okay. <laughs> so if, if someone was wanting to talk with you and get an idea of what these programs are, how they work for them, interest rates, things like that, how does someone get in touch with you? Well, I think a great way is to get the buyer's guide from the Curio House team. Ding. I'll send it to you. And then I think, you know, if you're watching this video, listening to the podcast, especially if you're watching on YouTube, Craig's going to put a link right down here. It'll take you directly to the website. has phone number, has a, a spot where you can apply online. Uh, and then the office phone number, right? It's 405 751 3800. You see that pop up against the, uh, on the bottom of the screen? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much. If you made it to the end of this video, it's been like 40 minutes. Thank you so much for sticking around. I really hope that you guys got a lot of value out of this. Merle and I really appreciate it. And Rob, we're thankful for you coming on and, and sharing all this stuff with us. It really means a lot. And, you know, having a team like we've yeah. got really does, it, it means something, not just for us, but for our clients. And, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about our breakfast club. Yeah. And it's an amazing thing. And it, it's fun just getting together with you and Mercedes and I are able to talk to you about what's going on in the market we talk about some of our clients that we're working on together. And then we've got a few other people that come as well. You know, we've got Aaron Lassiter from MVP Pest. Yep. Uh, we've got Tanner from Axe 29 Roofing and Solar. We've got Sean Taylor from Inspect One Home Services. Yep. And, and that's kind of like our, our little group. You know, we're able to get together and, and spitball things all so that we're able to provide better and more unique solutions for our clients and put our clients at an advantage. So. Absolutely. We kind of all like each other, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, all right, guys. Well, hey, thanks again so much. We really appreciate it. We will see you on the next episode. And if there's anything that we can do for you or Rob can do, don't hesitate to reach out. We are always available. See ya. Bye. Peace. Thanks, thanks, Craig. <laughs> Round two in the okay. books. Double check it.